Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Has justice for once prevailed? John Hopkins pulls another trans PR stunt, and Middle Earth has a massive ocean. This is a Propaganda Reports Drive Time News Blast. I am Brad Binkley. I want to start today with a story where it looks like, pending appeal anyway, justice might have actually prevailed for once, even if it took five years for it to happen. And we covered this story when the incident originally occurred back in 2018, because of how much of a, a fraud it was, an identity politics activist stunt that the media happily propagated, which rewarded the threatening behavior of the perpetrators, those in the wrong, and punished the behavior of someone who was following the rules of the company who employed them. You probably remember the story. It was all over the news for months, it feels like. caused outrage across the country because of a video that was going around that the media shared that only showed the tail end of the incident when police had arrived and put two black men who were in a Starbucks in handcuffs and escorted them out while a white dude who was filming it, who was a known activist, who, who had a history of doing things just like this, stunts just like this, harassed the police, repeatedly asking them, why are they arresting two black men in a Starbucks? What did they do wrong, he demanded to know, while also not letting the police answer his questions. Not that they, they had to answer his questions anyway. Well, had this guy started recording 20 minutes earlier, then everybody would have known exactly why the police were there and why they were justified for being there. But instead, the media ignored that part, the real story, and made a story that was not at all about race, all about race. Because dividing the country along racial lines is more important to them than telling the truth. What really happened in that Philadelphia Starbucks is that two black guys walked in to a Starbucks, they sat down, they didn't order anything, which is perfectly fine. You're allowed to do that in Starbucks. There would have been no problem had they just hung out and talked. But when they walked in and sat down, they asked if they could use the bathroom. To which the employee said that the bathroom is only for paying customers. And of course, to the media, the only explanation for this response from the employee, I believe it was a female employee, was racism. No other possible explanation for why she responded the way that she did was ever talked about or discussed in the left-leaning mainstream media. But as it turned out, there was a perfectly good explanation for why she told them that the bathrooms were for paying customers only that made far more sense than the media's claims of racism. And that explanation was that it was Starbucks policy that the freaking bathrooms were for paying customers only. The employee was literally doing her job according to the rules she had been taught to do them by by her employer. Oh, but perhaps that rule in and of itself was racist. Or perhaps there was a great reason the rule existed. I happen to have had a lot of experience with dozens of Starbucks coffee shops because I worked as a freelance copywriter for years in the years leading up to when this happened. I, I was still doing some freelance work at that time. And when I did, I always worked out of coffee shops, usually Starbucks coffee shops. So I've spent a lot of time in Starbucks and what I discovered firsthand and verified, because I knew to research this from my own personal experience, is that at the time this incident happened, there was an epidemic of homeless people 
going into Starbucks bathrooms and overdosing on drugs. This was happening all the time in Starbucks in big cities like Philadelphia, like Atlanta. And the reason this was happening is because the employees were just letting them go in there all the time and never telling them to leave, letting them stay there all day. There's a Starbucks in downtown Atlanta that I used to go to pretty good bit that you could never get into the bathroom of, ever. It was always locked or you'd open it and you'd see a homeless person like showering themselves in the sink, sleeping on the floor or doing drugs. Never failed. So the policy was necessary to empower the employees to know what to do in these situations to prevent that. And what really happened back in 2018 at that Starbucks that the media branded as a racist incident wasn't actually racist at all. It was a store employee upholding a very necessary rule that Starbucks had put in place to prevent something that was definitely driving customers away and creating uncomfortable, potentially dangerous situations from happening. And what did this person get for being a model employee? They got branded as racist. But that's not the only thing that happened before the famous video that everybody had seen. This employee did not just tell them the bathroom was only for paying customers and then run screaming, black people are asking for the bathroom, somebody call the police. After she told them this, the two guys did not just say, oh, okay, and converse among themselves. They would have been allowed to do that. You can do that at Starbucks, as I said. What they did was they became verbally hostile towards the employee, loudly shouting obscenities at the staff, creating a scene that was increasingly becoming uncomfortable and no doubt scary for not only other patrons, but for employees there. So the employee did what anybody in that situation would do, and they asked the people causing the problem, threatening and scaring people, to leave the premises. The two guys refused, thus creating a situation where in any place of business in America, the police would have been called, and rightfully. And most people in the business would have, the patrons and the, the employees would have wanted them to be called to alleviate the stressful and dangerous situation. What happened was a situation was created, and I believe intentionally, where the employee had no choice but call the police, which is exactly what the activist, especially the one waiting there with a the camera to make it into a media event, wanted. Because the whole thing certainly appeared to be planned when you look at the background and all the people involved in it. And the goal was to push that employee far enough so that the cops would eventually show up so they could get what they needed on camera to propagate the story that they had spun up before they even arrived. Showing those black guys in handcuffs, making it look like a racist incident. And like nothing else happened leading up to it. And it worked. And the media was complicit in spreading this lie that the employee's actions had anything to do with racism. When, when you know the full story, they clearly did not. And what did Starbucks do after their employee did exactly what Starbucks had trained them to do when they hired them? They apologized to the two black guys and they paid them off in an undisclosed settlement. And then they went on to put into place an initiative where they forced most of their employees to go to racial bias and sensitivity training. And then they targeted white employees to make an example of so that they could virtue signal showing that they are not putting up with discrimination anymore. You have to get a few scalps if you are going to do that. We cut some of the clips and analyzed them from those sensitivity trainings back in 2018 when this happened. And that's where the real racist stuff was. Might even still be on Starbucks website. That's where I found the trainings because they were showing the stuff off to say, look at us. We're not racist. And we're actually kind of showing themselves to be racist, but in a different way by doing those trainings. 
One of the employees they made an example of was a regional director named Shannon Phillips, who had worked there at Starbucks in the Philadelphia area for 13 years. And she was fired about a month after this incident happened for what Starbucks claimed was an absence of leadership. Which begs the question, why'd you wait so long, Starbucks? She'd worked there for 13 years, only now were you seeing that she had absence of leadership skills? Perhaps you have absence of leadership skills for failing to recognize that for so long. Or perhaps you're full of shit, which is the more likely explanation and the one that Phillips believed as well. She believed that she was fired because she opposed placing a white employee on administrative leave for alleged discriminatory conduct that was unrelated to that previous incident because they were targeting white people in the, in the Philadelphia area. And so when they fired her after she refused to put that person on leave, she sued the company for wrongful termination. And good for her. This was back in 2019. And in her claim, she states, I was terminated because I am white. If I was black, I would not have been terminated. I was terminated because I complained of and objected to race discrimination. The complaint also said that following the arrest, Starbucks took steps to punish white employees who had not been involved in the arrest, but who worked in and around the city of Philadelphia in an effort to convince the community that it had properly responded to the incident. Phillips said Starbucks had ordered her to place a white employee on administrative leave, as I said, as part of these efforts due to alleged discriminatory conduct, which Phillips said she knew was inaccurate. After Phillips tried to defend this employee, the company then let her go, she said. As for the actual reason for her termination, the complaint says Phillips' race was a motivating and or determinative factor in Starbucks' discriminatory treatment. Well, it appears five long years later that perhaps justice has prevailed in the story as a jury in New Jersey earlier this week found in favor of Phillips, returning a verdict of $25.6 million to her, including $25 million for punitive damages and $600,000 in compensatory damages. The jury ruled unanimously after six days on the case. Compensatory damages, by the way, are intended to make the injured victim whole. Payments lost, difficulty getting jobs, injuries, psychological distress, stuff like that. While punitive damages are meant to penalize the at-fault party. So at least we can say that one wrong from that 2018 incident was righted in this case. And in substantial fashion, I might add, this does not, however, reverse the damage done to the country by the fake racism narrative propagated by the media about the story and any story that they can propagate fake racism about. But at least nine jury members, or I think it was nine on the jury, who saw all of the evidence, because they their, their unanimous decision means they, they did not buy Starbucks' explanation of racism. And the reason is because they saw all of the story, all of the facts. They, they did not just see one short video that was intentionally framed to make it look racist. They saw all of it. And they said, this wasn't racist at all. The racist thing was firing her. So it's good to know that sometimes when people are exposed to all of the information, that they can see through the media's racially divisive propaganda. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Next story. John Hopkins University is back in the news again today. 
You might recall they made news a few weeks back after including 50 different gender identifications that their employees could choose from in their new employee handbook. When you get treatment at John Hopkins, you never know what gender the person treating you might be. They're back in the news today and facing backlash after they changed their definition of a lesbian in their LGBTQ glossary to refer to the group as non-man attracted to non-men in order to include non-binary people. The full definition in the glossary on screen here says, lesbian, sexual orientation, a non-man attracted to non-men. So it's kind of like a Brian Stelter attracted to a Stephen Colbert. I always suspected those two were lesbians. The definition continues, saying that while past definitions refer to lesbian as a woman who is emotionally, romantically, and or sexually attracted to other women, this updated definition includes non-binary people who may also identify with the label. John Hopkins has since removed the glossary, replacing it with a statement about the backlash and the need to better define the LGBTQ community, which was probably the goal of this in the first place. You do something radical, people get pissed off at you, then you back off and you attempt to open up a conversation where they can then introduce slightly less radical ideas that comparatively don't seem so crazy. It's not like they didn't know there was going to be backlash to this. It was intentional. They just did the 50 gender thing a few weeks ago. They knew what was coming. It's a PR stunt to stretch that Overton window about this subject. Upon becoming aware of the language in question, we have begun working to determine the origin and context of the glossary's definitions, officials wrote. We have removed the page from our website while we gather more information. Oh, they're opening up an investigation to find out where it came from, like they don't know the origin. Give me a break. Maybe it was Rogue AI that did it, or perhaps ask one of your 50 different gender doctors and nurses if they hacked in, and they updated the definition themselves, they knew exactly where it came from. It came from their PR team is where it came from. John Hopkins strives to create a campus culture that is inclusive and welcoming for all genders and identities, sexual orientations, experiences, and viewpoints, and we are committed to ensuring John Hopkins is a place where LGBTQ people feel supported, the statement added. I would say it's not very inclusive to people who actually care about their health. A hospital where the top priority is 50 gender pronouns and changing the definition of lesbian. What I actually found more interesting about this glossary was the definition of gay man that they had on there, which is a man who is emotionally, romantically, sexually, affectionately, or relationally attracted to other men or who identifies as a member of the gay community. At times, gay is used to refer to all people, regardless of gender, who have their primary sexual and or romantic attractions to people of the same gender. Gay, they have that in quotes, is an adjective, not a noun, as in, he is a gay man. I guess as opposed to, he is a gay, or Stephen Colbert is a gay. I guess that's the improper use of the word. This definition is confusing to me. It sounds like what they're saying is that a gay man is a man who is attracted to other men or a man who might not be attracted to other men, but identifies as a member of the gay community. Is that what they're saying here? Are there men out there who are attracted to women that are identifying as being gay? Or maybe they are talking about these guys who pretend to be gay to get close to women so that they can then try and bait the woman into trying to sleep with him and turn him. Maybe that's what's going on here. Does John Hopkins consider those guys to be gay? It sounds kind of like 
they're including in this definition of gay men who pretend to be gay for deceptive purposes. Is that how they define the term? And this definition also does not clear up a question that many people have, which is if a man and a woman, biologically born, are in a heterosexual relationship and one day the woman wakes up and decides that she is now a trans man, is that relationship, which was heterosexual, now a gay relationship? Does this boyfriend now find himself, by no choice of his own, in a gay relationship? Clear that up for us, John Hopkins, as we know you're the expert in LGBTQ definitional gender nonsense propaganda. Maybe get back to caring about people's health, you piece of trash institute. How about that? John Hopkins is on quite the roll here. Perhaps next week, they'll be offering free breast implants to all trans women, just so long as they can prove they still have a penis. You have to show it when you get there. Once you do, though, you get those boobs stacked on, then you get a free invitation to the White House where you can take your breast out, perhaps your penis as well, and take some selfies with the president. Okay, before we get to the final story of the day, which is going to be about the massive Middle Earth ocean that exists and what it might mean for the world, I'm going to tell you what we're going to be talking about in the DMBXR, the subscriber-only portion of the show, which is something a bit different today. I'm going to show you what I believe is the greatest recovery a stand-up comedian who has just flipped out and dug himself into what looks like an insurmountable hole to climb out of has ever climbed out of, has the greatest recovery of all time, in my opinion. It's not Bill Burr, which some people might be thinking it's very different than what he does. It's one of my favorite clips of all time, and I'm also going to tell you how what he does inspires me to climb out of holes that maybe I've dug myself in in real-life situations or overcome problems that might seem insurmountable with the right approach. That's the DMBXR subscriber-only portion of the show. If you want to get access to that, you can go to patreon.com slash propaganda report and subscribe there today. What you will get along with the subscriber-only portion of the show is you will get this show, the DMB Drive Time and News Blast, ad-free. I take out all the ads for subscribers, and I put it together with the XR content, and I pop it in to your own private RSS feed, which you can then put into whatever podcast player you listen to, and the shows will automatically upload when I upload the show. Patreon.com slash Propaganda Report. That is how I support the show. It is how I support myself. Join up today and help me continue to produce the show. You can also share the show with a friend if you like it. Email it to him, text it to him, or leave me a five-star review with a comment that warms my heart. I can't tell you how much that stuff inspires me. Also, check me out at YouTube.com slash Brad Binkley, Rumble.com slash The Prop Report, at Freedom Act Radio on Twitter. PropagandaFight.com is the website. And I want to put a feeler out there. I'm thinking about setting up a live show where I get some comedian friends of mine that are perfectly fine not being woke. And we do like a live show slash meetup somewhere, probably in uh, the Atlanta area. Is that something that you guys would be interested in? The fastest way to get in touch with me to let me know about that is probably Twitter DMs or just tweet at me and tell me what your thoughts are about that. All right. Now on to the final story of the day. Here's a headline I saw earlier this week. Massive ocean discovered beneath the Earth's crust containing more water than on the surface. Think about that. It makes it sound, this headline, as though this discovery just happened. It did not. I know it didn't because I remember when it happened because I read the academic study or the publication, research paper, that talked about this years ago and... I bring it up or I've brought it up periodically on the Propaganda Report since we started doing the show. However, 
I haven't really talked in depth about it because I, I could not find the paper that I had read it in. I thought that they had removed it from the internet because of the implications that what they were claiming would have on the climate change narrative. So I'm happy that it's back in the news today. Here's what the story says. It turns out there's a huge supply of water 400 miles underground stored in rock known as ringwoodite. Scientists previously discovered the water stored inside mantle rock in a sponge-like state, which isn't a liquid, solid, or a gas, but instead is a fourth state. The scientific paper titled Dehydration Melting at the Top of the Lower Mantle was published in 2014 and laid out the findings. One of the paper's authors... Geophysicist Steve Jacobson said, I think we are finally seeing evidence for a whole Earth water cycle, which may help explain the vast amount of liquid water on the surface of our habitable planet. Scientists have been looking for this missing deep water for decades. Let me read that again. Really absorb this. Like you're the, the top mantle of the Earth, absorbing Middle Earth water, rising the sea levels of your brain. I think we are finally seeing evidence for a whole Earth water cycle, which may help explain the vast amount of liquid water on the surface of our habitable planet. Scientists have been looking for this missing deep water for decades. The way the paper describes it, it sounds like our oceans did not come from extraterrestrial rocks that brought water here billions of years ago on meteors, as some believe, it sounds like our oceans came from the center of the earth as a result of water leaking out onto the surface since the beginning of time, if their findings are accurate. The article continues, Scientists made the findings at the time after studying earthquakes and discovering that seismometers were picking up shock waves under the surface of the earth. From that, they were able to establish that the water was being held in the rock known as ringwoodite. If the rock contained just 1% water, it would mean that there is three times more water under the surface of the earth than there is in the oceans on the surface. Let me read that one more time. If the rock contained just 1% water, it would mean that there is three times more water under the surface of the earth than there is in the oceans on the surface. Based on what I can glean from this paper, we have a massive Middle Earth ocean that's three times the size of all of the surface oceans combined that's connected to seismic activity earthquakes that affects the sea levels and the temperature of these surface level oceans. And from what it sounds like, basically changes everything we thought we knew about our environment on this Earth. But climate change. How can anyone credibly tell anyone that something is the product of climate change and is going to destroy us all if they haven't factored in the giant effing Middle Earth Ocean that dwarfs the size of the water that is present on the surface and seemingly affects everything. I think that would be an important thing to factor in. Certainly not something that should be ignored by anyone who's being serious. I'll leave the link to the article and the paper in the show notes. Okay, that's going to wrap up the show for today. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for watching, and we'll talk to you next time. Have a fantastic rest of your day.